When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We've got a meeting. We do. We have a meeting That's that it. everyone can be a part of. 100%. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a, um, we got a catch-up <laughs> because, like, it's been, like, literally a year. Yeah. It's been a year, It's been bro. a year. And a lot has happened in that year. A crazy amount of things have happened within that year. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, how like how are you, bro? I'm good. I think I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's been mm. a while. A lot has happened. Um, I've taken on a lot more commitments since I was here, mm. um, which reduces the hours in the day, but also reduces my retirement age. So it's all good. Oh, I, mean? uh, all, yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's, all, it's all building the foundations to make sure that, you know, hopefully, um, you know, these things will pay off um, in time to come. But it just means that you commit yourself but also sometimes making the decisions to actually realise that not all momentum takes you forward. Yeah. So actually just being busy isn't enough and actually you need to be making things that are actually adding impact and value to where you want to be. So just doing a bit of that reassessment, um, but yeah, keeping busy. When did retirement age start to become a thing for like thinking about retirement? I think I've always had that notion in my mind that I wanted to retire around 40. And, you know, so that's what I've sort of been building towards. Yeah. And to then be able to take a different path or effectively do more of what I want to do at that age. Yeah. Um, and that's that probably kicked in maybe about five years ago, I think. Right, right, right. Yeah, about five years ago is when I started having that vision. I think this is, I think even just this is an interesting conversation, you know. Do you know why? Because you see when you're in your teens yeah. and you're in your early 20s and that, Retirement just seems just like the furthest thing away in life, innit? Yeah. Like it just is. However, it is probably if you do get to if you do get old, mm-hmm. if you do get old, it is the most important thing that you could re- well, one of the most important things you mm-hmm. could think about mm-hmm. in regards to getting old. Because essentially, do you know what? Like the harsh reality is, mm-hmm. the moment that we're born, mm-hmm. we are getting to a place of where we're gonna die, yeah, and where we're gonna get old, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And you spend more time in your old age than you do in your young age. Exactly. So the work that you put in now in your younger age is going to dictate how you spend that most important part of your life. Yeah. And life expectancy is only getting longer for us. 
So, you know, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're thinking about retirement, you're probably going to spend a lot more time in that stage of your life. Yeah. So it's about doing the graph now. Honorable shout out to my mum, to be fair. Because my mum was always mentioning, like, mm. retirement from to me from young. And the thing is, see, for her, like, she had so much things going on in her own life, yeah, that, like, it was, I think, and also she was learning a lot herself, right. even from her even from her own mistakes. Mm. So I think financial literacy wasn't a thing that was in my house. And I know we've talked about that so much, we've talked about that before, yeah. but like it just started to become more of a thing when she kind of, you know, was able to sort herself out and then mm. like get herself financially stable. And mm. she would start saying some things to me, but she would mention like retirement from early on, yeah. And to be honest with you, like that used to just go through one ear and come yeah, all yeah. the way out of the other until I started to like, when I started to really look at my finances and like not just um, the situation I was in, but where I wanted to go. And also where I I started like thinking really long term of like the, the comfort, how like, can I put myself in a comfortable position when I'm older? And if so, how do I do that? Mm. And also comparing that to like, and I say this obviously with love, but like, you know, some of my older family members, like some of my, my uncles um, that may not necessarily have been thinking that same way. Yeah. I, I, I look at that and I say, as much as I love them, mm. how do I not do, how do I not find myself in that in position? Their situation. And that is obviously thinking about when it all stops. Do you yeah. know what I mean? 100%. And I think, you know, for our conversation today, I think the key message that I really want to deliver today is to tell everyone just to take your time, slow down. Right, I know nobody wants to get rich slowly, mm. but you don't want to lose your money quickly either, because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you know there are levels to this. You know, I heard a verse recently from Jay Z where on a pusher track where he says, "I can put your mansion on my wall." Mm. There's levels to this. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? And if you really want to build wealth, wealth is what you don't really see on the surface. No. It's deeper than that. So take your time and actually build the foundations, because there is a long way to go here. Mm. I think a lot of people are you know in a rush to try and achieve everything now forgetting that actually if it's not sustainable no matter all the work you're doing today it's going to be in vain ultimately so take your time that's i think the key message that i really want to deliver today i think the rush also was like became extra commercialized through lockdown mm. and just out of lockdown a little bit where you started to see some people make money yeah. in that stage yeah? yeah and like and then everyone was like trying to be a part of that Mm. Or how do I get money mad quick? Yeah, yeah, so if, yeah. for example, like we'll talk a little, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like, even with crypto, mm. it's like, okay, because everyone missed out on Tesla, you know, like, people missed out on Tesla. What's I'm next? not missing out on this. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, so yeah, these, yeah. these things keep happening. These things keep popping up. Yeah. Yeah. And then like everyone just rushes to it on a thing of, I missed out on that. I'm not missing out on this. Yeah. I'm not missing out on that. And yeah. before you know it, yeah. you're putting your money into something that you don't even, yeah. you don't know nothing about. Yeah, but a lot has changed since I was last year. So I think when I was here last year, um, interest rates was 0.1%, inflation was 0.4%, Bitcoin was around $46,000. Even GameStop was trading around $350,000, right. uh, yeah. sorry, $350 a share. None of the above is no longer true. All the, all the above has changed, right? And that's in the space of 12 months. And so it just shows you that, you know, things can change very quickly which is why you really do have to take a long-term view because if you're trying to ride the wave of the turbulence, then you're not really ever going to be settled. So I think, mm. you know, for today's conversation, 
everyone take out your notepads, you know, open your crypto wallets and open your investment account and let's have an honest review of the choices and decisions we've made in the last year. Because mm. I think a lot of people have made some good ones, but a lot of people have made some bad ones as well on the back of that FOMO of, oh, I missed out on Tesla, so I have to go and buy this meme stock or this stock or this coin or, or that NFT. So I think it's really making an honest assessment of, right, actually, how have those decisions panned out for us? Well, again, I guess it's more... It's the mentality, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Like, it is the mentality. It is a, it is how? Do, but how do you control that? Like, how do you? It, at a time where it does feel like it's hard for people to, you know, live in conditions and like yeah. expenditure and stuff like it's diff, it's so difficult. Yeah. It's hard to kind of like almost keep a suppressed mindset on. Okay, right. Let me just wait. Mm. Let me just take a moment to mm. let me just take a moment. Yeah. So, okay, let's go with property, for example. Yeah? yeah. So, and I think we spoke about this before, right? So the property rates have gone up, mm. right? And everyone keeps thinking that at some point, you know what? Like, there's going to be a crash or there's yeah. going to be a dip, but it keeps yeah. going up and it keeps, keeps going, going up and it keeps going up and it keeps going up. Yeah. So then what? Like, then at what point do you say, What's, you know what? The best I just time got to, to, enter the I just got to just jump yeah. in. Well, look, let me give you an overview of the current property market and property is something that I'm, I'm very close to. You know, I transact maybe 20, 30 properties, uh, transactions a year. Um, over the last five years, I've probably lent over 150 million pounds for property purchases in the UK. Um, where we find ourselves currently, is that the average property price in the UK is around £300,000, okay? Mm. The average salary in the UK is about £30,000. So let's say somebody wants to buy a property worth £300,000 and they want to put down a 15% deposit, and that's £45,000. First challenge is, how does someone earning £30,000 gross save £45,000 net plus cost and fees, right. right? That could take somebody years. I think there was a study that was saying that someone earning the average salary, saving the average amount per month in a standard instant access savings account would take them 21 years plus to save the average deposit. But let's say they get some help from family members to save up that £45,000 deposit, okay? You still need a mortgage to buy that house. Now, if you've put down a 15% deposit on 300 grand, you need a mortgage of about £255,000. Now, earning £30,000 does not get you a mortgage for £255,000. So that scenario... The average person earning the average wage cannot afford to buy the average house. That's the situation we're in, okay? And a lot of people are saying, well, I'm waiting for the property crash to happen. In 2020, when the market stopped, there was so much pent up demand, which hasn't slowed down. Mm. So all that's done is increase the value of properties. Mm. And even after the stamp duty holiday ended, people have still continued, transactions are still going through. You know, I was involved in a transaction where a buyer overpaid by about 400,000 pounds after they had already agreed the purchase price because there were more people coming to the seller saying, hey, look, I'll give you this, I'll give you that. In the end, the buyer had to borrow more money and able to afford it, right. but they wanted a house so badly that in the end they overpaid yeah. what they had already agreed on. So there's no signs of transactions slowing. If anything, interest rates has kind of given a bit of a, uh, a concern for some borrowers because obviously the price of things are going up and mortgages will cost people more when interest rates are higher. So that's the only thing that in the last, let's say, four months, I've seen slow things down a bit. Right. But there are still a lot of transactions happening. If you're somebody buying yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a for property real. for the first time, for example, first-time buyers have various options to get on the ladder, whether you're using a government incentive help to buy or you're using a lifetime ISA where the government gives you a contribution towards your savings to help you that. I think the only options you've got if you can't afford the house that you're going for is, is two things really save longer to get a bigger deposit or reduce 
the, the value of the, the property you're trying to buy. And my advice if people are looking to buy properties, again, is take your time. And I know people don't want to hear that, but people aren't moving as often as they used to because mm. the price of properties are much higher than they've ever been. So when you buy a house today, it's very unlikely you're going to buy another one next year when you need to upgrade it. Yeah. So take your time to actually buy something you're going to be comfortable in for perhaps a few years to come, particularly if you haven't got children now and you're planning on having children. When you need that space, if you've bought you know, a new build flat, for example, there's very little you can do to it. Every time you buy a new build flat for the first few years of ownership, it reduces in value. Yeah. So you're not really getting any capital appreciation to begin with and you're not able to actually add any more space to it. So if you could actually wait a bit more years or whatever and add up um, your savings, maybe buy a house a bit further out, you have the opportunity to add an extension, increase the living space yeah. and actually increase the value. Is With that being said though, in the direction that we're going, do you not feel like the, like the north and south mm. gap is going to just end up shrinking in regards to property because already you're looking at if you if we look at Manchester for example that's yeah. expensive now yeah do you know what I mean a lot of people are buying in Liverpool when mm. whoever can afford yeah and there's going to become a, po- a point where a lot of things are bought up over there and it's going to become expensive over there yeah and so like it's weird actually before you even go there I was actually thinking to myself just the other day this is how I tied it together yeah I was thinking right like Long-distance relationships at a point, like, if you was in a relationship, it, if you was from London and you was in a relationship with someone from, like, Manchester or whatever, at one time, that was mad and far and hard. And But now, it's like, if you're in a relationship with someone that lives in Manchester mm. and you live in London, that's, it's not far, it's not even far at all. It's the internet. Right, exactly. Yeah. So do you see, like, even with that now, with mm. the the... the 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 prop like people buying property and stuff like that yeah. and people going further and further out is that not going to shrink the opportunity and be able to, being able to buy a property yeah absolutely to, like, I think what you're cheaper? what you're describing there is the natural ripple effect that if prices are heated in the center of you know in, in the capital naturally all the surrounding areas also start to increase perhaps not at the same pace but they definitely do over time. So I think there will come a point where the average house price in the UK is perhaps maybe heading towards half a million mark rather than 300,000. Mm. You know, the average house price in London now is probably 550,000 pounds or so, nearing 600,000 pounds. So it might take a while for that, again, ripple effect to happen where it then spreads to the surrounding areas and beyond. But that's where we're heading. Mm. Now, a property crash, you know, a lot of people are like, is there going to be a property crash now? There is far too, de- there's far too much demand at the moment for that to happen. I think, you know, the people who were waiting in 2020 or 2021 thinking, oh yeah, I'm waiting for the crash. Well, now you've just waited for house prices to go up and now the average house price is the highest it's ever been. So you've missed out on that. So I think it's being careful not to try and play the game of, well, the waiting game, ultimately. There might be a correction because in the last couple of months, I've seen some valuations being downvalued. So people have definitely been overpaying, but the challenge is still trying to get on the ladder when there's so much people queuing up for it Mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, what kind of like you see with some of the clients that you've got yeah, yeah. see from the last time that we spoke mm. there was so much going on yeah. even regarding like you know property crypto mm. all kinds of stuff yeah mm. did you have clients yourself that were like in a rush to jump into like the hype of what was going on quarter of the way into 2021 I think there's a slight difference in terms of um, jumping into the hype. I think the clients I have are far more seasoned, far more experienced, 
and and they take much more calculated risks rather than perhaps just following mm. whatever the that's mass, the difference isn't that's it? the difference i yeah. think it's the knowledge and information but example with property so a friend of mine was um bidding for a house in north london in 2020 which came on the market for just around five five and a half million pounds asking price mm. he lost out on the bid because clearly somebody else saw the potential and bid a bit more for it so the house was ultimately sold for six million or just over six million now that person has sold that house recently for 10 million so that same house, which you know, less than within less than a year, bought it for five, you know, just over six, and sold it for ten million. Mm. The reason why he was able to move so much quicker was because he was ready. So that's another key factor here when you're looking to buy or actually take advantage of, of an opportunity. Be ready mm. because you know that person had their liquidity already, so they can move almost like a cash buyer. So that's one of the things around property that I think is useful. Because over time, when you're building equity in the house or the flat or whatever it is, you might be able to take a line of credit against that asset, which you don't necessarily have to use immediately. It's a bit like an overdraft and some banks offer this. So say, for example, you have a house worth half a million and you've got no mortgage in it because you've paid it off now. You can take a line of credit that might be two, three hundred thousand pounds against it. So when an opportunity like this comes along, you can instantly access that liquidity and mm. go and buy a house as if you're a cash buyer. Right. right. So that's how some of these, you know, some of my clients anyway, that's how they get ahead of the game and they really control the monopoly. Right. Having the resources and being able to move very quickly. Facts. I feel like we are potentially though, as much as like, you know, house prices are getting mad high. Um, and, but with that being said though, there still is activity. Like especially... Mm. You know, you go online and every once in a while you're seeing people posting their keys. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're posting keys or they're with their partner. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, some have their partner and yeah. then, you know, um, they've been able to do it with their partner or whatever. But yeah. with that being said, though, I do think that we probably are going to get to a stage in life where the majority will never, ever get to own a property. And that it, it's, we're going to... We're going to have more it's going to be almost like a normality of mm. just being renting yeah. for a certain period of your life yeah? yeah someone said to me just recently i'm not sure how true this is someone might have to fact check this for me and let me know send me a message but someone had told me that in munich in particular a lot of people mm. actually just rent mm. and they don't buy and i don't know what that is why yeah. that is mm. but i think like it, that's a dangerous position to be in though yeah no well i think it, look it's about it's about the comfort that having property as an asset gives to people. I mean, the UK, we're not even in the top 30 of countries around the world where they have a high population of homeowners. So, you know, you go to Eastern Europe and actually there is 80 plus percent of the population own their homes. Here in the UK, we're, no, we're, we're nowhere near we're that, that sort of okay. level. So actually we're already not at that stage where- It's already we, that. It's already that. But I think the challenge for us is, and the reason why we're not in the top 30 is because of the cost. It costs so much to buy a property in the UK that actually when earnings are not keeping pace with that, then it's very difficult for people to get on the ladder. Um, but I think, look, there, there are government schemes and sometimes the government schemes are very restrictive. So a lot of people are asking, is it a good idea to use help to buy? Is it a good idea to use, you know, lifetime ISIS to buy properties? Yes, if that's your only entry point. Because how else are you going to get on the ladder unless you wait that 21 years to eventually save up the average deposit to buy a house? But bear in mind that those incentives come with restrictions. So if you've got an, a vision to buy a property that's worth £600,000 plus, then there might be restrictions in terms of where you can buy or what government schemes you can use. Mm. So you can't use the lifetime ISA to buy a property that's no. you know, over a certain value. And if you're buying using help to buy in London, £600,000 is the cap. 
And you know, if you go outside of London, then it gets a bit lower. So depending on what your ambitions are, some of these schemes can be restrictive. So it's really trying to you know, really align your options and figure out, right, okay, what is it that I'm trying to do? For me personally, like I said, I would wait to be able to buy something that I don't need to change anytime soon. Right. If it means going a bit further out and waiting a bit longer, rather than having that, you know, those keys and taking those selfies, but you've bought a box and actually that's going to be, you know, not enough for what you need in a year or two's time yeah. and perhaps no capital appreciation to go along with it. So then what do you do when you're stuck? Yeah. So I think it's take your time with it. I wonder where that leaves people though, in regards to like not, like when they get older. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like when, when that generation of like 19, mm. 20 year olds and that start to get to 40, like 50 and that. Mm. And trust me when I tell you that comes quick. Like, we see, do you know what? See, when you get to 18, I'll tell you this now, yeah. When you get to 18 or 21, after that, it just starts moving so rapid. Before yeah. you know it, life just hits you in a mad way. But I'm just curious to like, I'm just curious to think about like what, where that leaves them when they start hitting them ages and like what the economy looks like it, it, at that point. Yeah, I think there's a slight difference in terms of our earning capability because there was a generation, the baby boomers of our generation who were able to access properties at a much lower price than we can. Right. And so for them, property tends to make up the majority of their wealth. Whereas the younger generation or the generation upcoming now probably have a wider earnings capability in terms of how they can make money. And a lot of people are looking at crypto. A lot of people are now invested in stocks and shares. And so they are building a lot more of a diverse asset base than perhaps the baby boomers did because they only had property, for example, or some of them put their money in stock markets and just sort of left it to grow. Mm. I think we have a lot more options available to us than they did. Mm. So it's about us utilizing those options we've got to make sure that we can make that kind of money. If you look at the sort of money that new money generations are making. So, you know, when I say new money, I mean the likes of self-made entrepreneurs who even might be, you know, sort of um, have built up from dig digital space. So whether it's YouTube or, or social media generally, the pace at which they make money is far quicker than the pace at which the old generation made money. The old generation set up businesses, ran it for 20, 30 years, right. made a nice profit, retired. Now people are able to establish themselves, make a couple of million very quickly yeah, yeah, and move yeah. on to something else and yeah. make another couple of million and move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's almost earning per action in our generation. And yeah. you can actually put a value on all the actions you take. If you think about posting an advert or you know doing TikToks or whatever, you can actually monetize and yeah. put value to the actions that you take. Whereas the older generation didn't have that, have that benefit. No. So I think we've got a lot of advantages that we can use. hundred. But equally, I guess that, yes, our entry point is much higher as well as, as yeah. the kind of offset. Yeah, that's the that's the thing, in it? It's like back in the day, there was a few stock ways that people would make money. And yeah. then you obviously then you had people that were, you know, able to, you know, that real small percentage that were able to make a lot of money out yeah. of different things. But now there's so many different ways to make a lot of money. Correct. But the the landscape is just very different. Yeah. And obviously the cost of everything is very different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But but also, Chucky, I think the reality is there are a lot of people making money these days. They're probably just not speaking about it or they don't know what to do with it. Okay, let me interrupt you there. Mm. There's a lot of people that are making money nowadays. Yeah. But the landscape of how life is mm. m will make you feel like you're, you're not, not making money. Correct. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's smoke so and if, mirrors. If you, if, if, yeah, exactly. Like, if you took this wage now, yeah. 
that you're making, mm. let's say you, you're making 50, 60 a year, mm. yeah? 50, 60 a year is nice. Yeah. yeah, that's a good wage. Mm. You you take that 50, 60 a year, go to the early 2000s, yeah. nice, you're yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's techie, still, mm. even with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you still, you have that mindset of, you can still, li I mean, it just depends on like, it depends on your accessibility mm -hmm. and obviously um, information and knowledge and of course, of co but it's ma mainly information, isn't it? Mm. But if you don't have this information, mm -hmm. you could still be on a wage like that and have, and be feeling like somebody in the 2000s that was on 15, seven, 15 16, 17,000 a year. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%, which is why I think, you know, people need to be inquisitive and actually really take stock on the decisions that they make because that does have an impact ultimately on whether or not you are utilising the resources you've got to the best of your ability. Mm. What you'd be surprised to find is there are people living more comfortably who earn less than some people that earn more, if that makes sense. Right. So I think there are some people who earn a lot more money but the way they spend it means right. that the quality of life is actually lesser than somebody who earns less because yeah. you know the person earning less lives within their means and actually perhaps uses their money in a much more fruitful way than somebody else who's sort of throwing the money around. So that's why I'm saying that, you know, the challenge I think for everybody is to try and A, really educate yourselves and get to a level whereby you're making informed decisions because we are in a stage right now where it's not the time to be careless with your money. Right. You know, inflation is way too high at the moment and it's not being caused by demand necessarily. This is about cost. The cost of goods and materials and services are going up, which is what's pushing inflation up. Mm -hmm. So even with the Bank of England increasing interest rates, it's not having the desired effect. Mm -hmm. Because normally, the Bank of England would increase interest rates to stop people spending to bring down the rate of inflation. People aren't spending because they haven't got the money to spend, but yet inflation is still going through the roof, you right. know, more than 6% at the moment. So it's a very tricky economy at the moment. And so I think the landscape has completely changed. So whether you earn 60K or 30K or 40K, it's all about the choices you make with the, the money that you're making. Of course, of course. Let's talk about your, because as we said before, yeah, the last time that we spoke, yeah, we've had a conversation a lot around crypto, yeah. stocks and that kind of stuff. And also just like, you know, ev loads of people at that time are really gravitating yeah. to like, to that to make money. Yeah. Now that a whole year and and change have mm. has gone by, mm. what has been your assessment of that? Great question. Um, so firstly, before I answer that, I I really want us to clarify the difference between betting and investing, right? Because betting has been around longer than investing has. And more than two thousand years ago the Romans were placing, you know, uh, bets on the Olympics, right? Betting's been around for a long time. Investing hasn't been around for so long. However, I get the impression that people are now using betting tactics in the name of investing. Mm. But it's very dangerous because it's two different approaches. Nobody walks into a casino and says, hey guys, I'm here to invest. You walk <laughs> in and say, I'm here to bet. Yeah. And you know your risks. Whereas now, some of the decisions people are making has all the hallmarks of bets, but they're calling it investing. Right? And it's super dangerous because the attitude you take when you walk into a casino is not the same attitude you take when you walk into a bank or to see a financial advisor to say, hey, can you help me grow my money? So that's the first That's the first thing. I think a lot of people are disguising bets as investing. Now, yes, you could fundamentally say that when you invest your money, there is risk and you know, therefore it is a bet, but it's a very different category. It's a very different approach you take to both of them. So for me, let's talk about 
um, crypto, digital assets, NFTs, and you know what's what that's been like over the last year. I think there was a period where a lot of people were talking about digital assets or crypto as a hedge against inflation. So historically, when inflation was rising, people put their money into other places to try and keep pace with inflation. Otherwise, inflation would erode the buying power of their money. So if inflation was high, people would buy commodities, gold, silver, coins, whatever, which would hopefully rise in value to at least keep pace. So people were saying, well, crypto is a new answer to that. And crypto is a new gold. I'm sure you must have heard that impression, of course, of course. right? Mm. Well, inflation has been rising. The highest has been for 30 years and crypto hasn't kept pace with that. In fact, crypto has lost some of its value. So it hasn't lived up to expectation in that sense, because if that idea of crypto being a hedge against inflation were true, then surely it will be holding its value or increasing during a time when stock markets were having a bit of a turbulence and inflation was going through the roof. Now, yes, there are economic reasons why maybe crypto hasn't done so well in the last 12 months. It reached its peak and then it almost halved in value. Mm. And yes, there are legislations and rules and things around the world that's causing some of that. But fundamentally, you would have expected it to perform better during this time where inflation is high and stock Irrespective. Markets. Irrespective. It hasn't done that. But I think it's good for the new age investor to experience this. Because for me, the challenge has been around crypto is that it's always been upsold. It's always about, oh, this new coin has 10x'd. This new coin has gone up 3,000%. That's very true. That coin has gone up 2,000%. That's the only side we ever hear about it. Whereas people who've been invested in the markets for decades will know about the turbulence and the fact that it's not always an upward trajectory. Sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up and down, sometimes it's a bit sporadic. So I think this is good for people to understand that actually it's not always on upward trajectory. And if you've put your money in crypto when it was at its heights, you know, late last year, you're probably down at the moment. And a lot of people's digital wallets are in the red as a result of that. So I think it's a good leveler to really bring to ground people to understand that this is the game of investing yeah yeah and if you're doing it it's not a short-term view mine's still like mine is still up but right. it's not crazy up like it was sure so it went it did the madness yeah and then it just sort of it just it yeah it just literally just halved yeah but it was almost like a in some way sort of a correction and like a yeah. almost like just a leveler where yeah. my my money and my the, there's profit on top of that and it's it's nice it's just sure. it's definitely not what it was before but i yeah. think what what is interesting now is is that for anyone that is getting involved in something like this mm. is like now i guess they they can come in at a time where a lot of things are not necessarily being upsold and you can understand more about it because yeah. every you're right i think every time something new mm. had come out whether it be like an nft or a crypto or whatever the first thing it was was about this is gonna be worth that get yeah. this it's gonna 10x this yeah. whatever and then you just feel like you're, you're missing out if you i'm missing out i have to it. get it yeah and then whatever yeah. what happens is everyone then jumps in it yeah and then it comes down a little bit just maybe a tiny bit and everyone's like no, i need to come out <laughs> and they just take it out and then before yeah. you know it, it just ruins everything and that's the betting mentality right you cannot call that investing if you're jumping in and out of trades literally on a daily basis now you know, I think what's also been, for me, an issue is the fact that some of these publications also have a responsibility because nowadays you can read articles in anything from, you know, Forbes magazines to whatever, talking about all these coins, which is kind of, you know, if inflating the whole FOMO idea of people thinking they're missing out. 
And I think they have a duty of care to actually check some of the details of what you know they're promoting in these articles. Now I get that these publications need to make an, an earning by you know putting out these articles, but equally, when someone who's not knowledgeable reads an article that says, "Have you heard about that new Chucky coin?" It's mm. just you know gone up by three thousand percent in the last two weeks. In your mind, you're thinking, "Well, it's in the Forbes. It's gone up by three thousand percent. I know where I'm putting my money when I get paid, mm. right?" But then in the last year, in 2021. 2.1 billion pounds or dollars, sorry, was lost to what they call rug pull or um, pump and dumps. Well, it's, right? yeah, yeah. Where creators of coins or NFTs or whatever will promote this new scheme, hire some influencers. I think Kim Kardashian yeah. and Floyd were even involved in one of them. Get the price pumped. The inventors pour their money out. Everybody loses because there was nothing really there funny. But then they are, they're the ones who end up making the most money 100%. out of it. And you know, I have heard... There was a few people that I knew that I did that. Right. And I was so conflicted right. in it because I was like, you, you're that's you're taking advantage of the disadvantage. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I understand that like we're in a capitalist society. Mm. But you know, when I was hearing it, like there was like a couple of people that directly that I know that were like, you know, use their influence yeah. to talk about something mm. for everyone to then gravitate to it. Yep. And as soon as they did that, bam, sell. Yep. Then it, drops. then it just drops. And, and nothing, then before you know yeah. it, you've got all of these people who yeah. have no idea about. Yeah. And then so it's like, there's the, the moral argument in it, which is one side. But then at the same time, on this side, it's like, you know what? You needed to hold that L because you have to understand that mm. even though you come from a certain place, background, whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're, you might be, you might not have financial lit- literacy yeah. and you may not necessarily have money like that. Use this as an opportunity to learn that. Yeah. Your money can literally go like, yeah. literally like that. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that's the risk for me. So, you know, whenever I talk about crypto, um, I think it's about highlighting a, a balanced view that it's not always an upward trajectory and it's not always about the stories of oh this is 10x or you know 3,000 times yeah they, some people whatever. thought you was anti-crypto but 100% I know I'm aware <laughs> I'm fully aware but I think I have a responsibility to make sure that you know I'm at least given a counterbalance or a counter argument right. to perhaps what the promoters of, of crypto are saying you know, I had crypto you know I'm not anti-crypto in that sense have you still got some? I don't I, I no longer have crypto <laughs> <laughs> I know I exited my position but I think I did it okay. more um to test the market. Right. It's not an asset class that I personally wanted to be in. Right. And don't get me wrong, I know people who've made a lot of money in it. Yeah. But I don't think, you know, there's there's a there's a position for every asset class in your portfolio. You don't necessarily need to be exposed to everything. And the same is true for even income. I think there's no value in trying to become a jack of all trades, a master of none. You can focus on one or two income streams rather than thinking I need a hundred income streams because there are people with one source of income earning more than people with 10. Hmm. So it's not always about the quantity, but it's about the quality of what it is you're doing. Yeah. So if you don't want or need crypto in your portfolio, it's not it's not a necessity. No facts. Right. And NFTs is another thing. So I was about to get there. I don't well. know if you read there was a story earlier in the year of a student from Indonesia who took a thousand pictures of his face. And in his own words, as a joke, he thought, well, it'd be funny if people wanted to collect images of my face. So he turned these pictures into NFTs and started selling them for $3, I think. In the end, we're being sold for $12,500 per picture of his face. Kids become a millionaire, good on him. My question for the investors is, why? What are you looking to get out of this? There's a theory called the greater fool theory, which is where you have a bubble and you are happy to overpay for an asset in the knowledge that someone stupider than you or a greater fool will buy it from you 
at a higher price than what you paid for it. So you're willing to take that gamble. The problem is when there is no greater fall and you're mm. left holding on to the asset, yeah, for right? Real. So if you bought that picture of this student's face for 12,500, what are you looking to get out of this? Right? And he's become a millionaire from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's game. Good on him, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So that tells me two things. A, there's a lot of money in circulation. But B, there's a lot of money chasing quick money in circulation. And that's a risky combination. Yeah. Do you know Do you know what? This almost goes to something that I've been talking about on the podcast a lot, you know, which is mass hysteria. Mm. I think that like we're just in a... I genuinely believe this, yeah? We are in... And I don't know where, how it started or where it's come from, but we are literally in an era of super mass hysteria. Mm. And if you can make anyone or a group of people feel like they could potentially be missing out on something, you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Like, you can make a lot of money. I DJ occasionally in the Nike store. I've been doing that for a long time. I enjoy it. Mm. Um there's always been the collector's trainer. That's always been a thing, right? right? That's always been a thing. Now, like, you've got youths that are outside the shop from nine in the morning, nine in the morning, ready for this. They don't even know necessarily if something is dropping yet. Yep. They just, they'll wait. As soon as the door opens, they rush in, bam, is it there, whatever. Right. And then they'll just grab stuff. They just, and whatever does come, they'll buy all of it. They'll buy all of it and then straight away it goes on the um like on the Second reseller's hand, website yeah. or whatever. And you know, you're seeing like brands like Cortez as well that are like very cool brands and that. And and I'm obviously happy I love the brand. Yeah. But I also think it's like in some smart way, it's a capitalization of mass hysteria. Mm. Once you say, you know what, I'm only doing a limited of this, by the way, you know. Alright, cool, I need to I need to get that. Everyone needs to get it. Someone then sells it because you don't have it. Yeah. Next minute, you know, the thing that you bought for £50 is yeah. £400 on this. Yeah. And you feel like I might even need to grab that at £400 because it might go to one-fifth. Yeah. And that's the greater fall theory. So it's all well and good until there is no one left. Right. Right. Until you're left holding that asset that you've overpaid right. for. Then what? Right. Yeah. And so that's the risk. But So yeah, so look, I think over the last year, it's probably opened a lot of people's eyes into the fact that yes, this whole digital currency isn't just an upward trajectory and actually it can have moments where it doesn't perform that well. And there are lots of economic factors that could impact that. So if you're going into it, go into it with your eyes fully wide open that, you know, have it as an alternative investment class by all means, or your main investment class if you wish, but make sure you've got the risk appetite yeah. and you can tolerate that turbulence. NFTs is definitely the, the th I think, see the NFT stuff, I feel like, this was, you know, we mentioned before with crypto that a lot mm. of people was jumping into crypto and didn't necessarily really know what that was about. Mm. But I do feel like with NFTs, it, that's even stronger. I feel even more so people are, have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea, mm. but they just, they just know that some people are making money. Yeah. And through that, I just need to grab something or buy something or what was the other thing that was um, I saw people talking about that's uh, the metaverse metaverse so like people are buy, like buying yeah um, people are buying properties in buying the metaverse and stuff like that and it's that does seem like it I don't know I mean I don't even really know I've been doing a lot of reading on stuff about it and whatnot and like yeah. all of the knowledge that I have on it is still a kerfuffle in my brain yeah because I'm like maybe I'm just maybe 
you know, I've lived on this earth for a certain period of time and I'm, I need some type of untraining in my... But it's very different. I just find it very interesting at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. But with that, it's like how everyone now or small people are thinking to themselves, I just need to just buy a space and they don't know nothing about it. Well, they've they've had over $500 million worth of real estate purchases in, in the metaverse. Already. What is happening with that now though? So, I mean, these are people clearly trying to set themselves up ahead of the game in terms of wherever this thing is going to end up. But it just shows you how much money there is in circulation at the moment. Right. That, you know, there's so much money being bounced around. The truth is COVID made a lot of people very rich. And I think a lot of people being invested in these digital currencies have made a lot of money. And so you always have to question, who are these people with this much amount of disposable cash to put into all these crazy new ideas and not really feeling it? Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, you know, the metaverse is another thing which, you know, there's now this battle against real assets and digital assets. Right. And who's going to win this battle? It's going to be very interesting. It almost feels like when you're reading the press and the papers and the articles, they're trying to draw everyone's attention to all these new digital assets until the day when your electricity is off and you can't actually touch anything. <laughs> yeah, and you that's own true. absolutely nothing yeah. in the real world. You haven't bought a property. You haven't invested in any tangible assets. Everything you've got sits in your computer. And then what? I mean, that for me is a big risk. And we have to clearly be aware that you know, there are still going to be people buying the real assets whilst our attentions are being diverted to the digital space. Mm, interesting. Do you feel like that's a part of it? Look, there's always... There's like always the, the distraction of... Yeah. There's all of this stuff going on over yeah. here, folks. While everyone's <laughs> thinking, okay, I need to throw my, the little bit of money that I have yeah. into this, the real assets are being bought up left, right and centre over here with the plan of the long-term goal. Not just stumbling across it because it might be cheaper or because it just might be a good time, yeah. but more so the plan of, you know what, this is really where it could be. I mean, 100%. I think, you know, you've got to understand that for some people, um, the urge of being a head or a front runner in anything new is so great that they're happy just to put all their eggs in that basket. Now, is always about, for me, risk management, having diversification. And for a lot of people, they are still focusing very much on the tangible, real-world assets whilst everyone is kind of being distracted by all these things. Some people just don't care for it. I have loads of clients who've got lots of money who do not care any bit about this new technology and stuff like that because they've made their money in the old-school way. But then there's an argument that perhaps if we're all heading there, then would you not be better off being ahead of the curve? But it's new, like everything, there's a teething stage. You have to understand, okay, well, what are gonna be the pitfalls with this new thing that we're into? And if you're putting all your eggs in that basket and actually, let's say in five years time, people turn around and say, actually, this whole metaverse thing isn't gonna work. This whole digital thing isn't gonna work. Then what? Everyone's gonna be scrambling back to gold and silver and coins and, and property, right? Yeah. So it's about a balance of everything, I guess, in life. That's the thing though, I think, the catch 22 on that is, is it seems as though for the common folk, mm that the real assets just are already too much money. Yeah, but then that could be the distraction, you know? And so so what are your options? You're saying that somebody who's up and coming now put all your eggs into the digital world mm. and owe nothing in the real world, right? Um, and, that, and that could be the distraction. So yeah, look, I mean, I think with, with everything, there's always a cycle, right? There's always a cycle. There's nothing to say that there isn't another recession on the horizon or there isn't a genuine property crash Doesn't it feel like we're already in one? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the hallmarks are all there, but I think this time round, the fundamentals are different because, you know, when we've had um, 
recessions in the past, they've not been caused by this global thing that was out of everyone's control. There's been certain industries or certain sectors where fundamentally something's been broken, which is, you know, the, the repercussions has caused the recessions. Whereas this time around, if you look at COVID, it was nobody's fault technically, right? Mm-hmm. And before COVID arrived, the markets were fine. Everything was doing great. So yes, we are in a recession in that sense because of, you know, the way that productivity at the moment is very low. We're not doing much in the economy in that sense. Um, Inflation is going through the roof. Stock markets are, are having issues. So yes, the hallmarks are there. But I think we have almost built a, um, not a resilience, but we're kind of getting used to it now, if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas if you think back to 2008, when we had that global financial crisis, I mean, people were in tears every day yeah. uh, for a very long time because it was such a big shock. And I think since then, we've grown thick skins to actually absorb it a bit better now. Mm. So people are not leveraging as much as they used to. So mm. for example, prior to that 2008 financial crisis, people were taking 100% mortgages or 105% mortgages. They were borrowing more than what the properties were worth. It was just kind of a free game for everybody. Now people are a lot more conservative. So yeah. even when times are hard, they're not 100% exposed. They've got something to fall back on. I think that's a slight difference that we are growing a bit smarter yeah. uh, to, you know, what can happen in the economy. But still, it doesn't feel nice when you're in it. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's, yeah. This, that is the other thing as well is that I do feel like there are people that are asking a lot more questions and trying to figure out exactly what it is that they can do with their money yeah. or are trying to figure out ways that they can save money. But then there's always, it does always feel like there's a, people are hit with a new thing. Mm. Um, and you know, even when you look at the energy prices, for example, it's like, you know, every time, I think for a lot of people, they will they will feel as though every time they're logging on to the internet or onto like watching the news or whatever it is, yeah. there's a new thing that has been added onto a bill. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's a new mm. this is going up or that's going up or you know, like some something's been added or taken away. Mm. It, it's it's very it's such a it's such a tricky place for people to be in at the moment it is and and i completely get that sentiment i think you know and as i said at the start now's not a time to be frivolous with your money because there's so much uncertainty and the truth is the real truth is even the decision makers don't quite know what to do with it and i think we saw a bit of that during covid it was kind of right what do we do what how do we temporarily fix this you know do we add pleasure or remove pain? It's kind of that you know, mm-hmm. sort of trade-off. Um, and so you have to be very considered and very deliberate about the decisions that you make. You know, We know that the cost of living is going through the roof. We know that income isn't keeping pace with inflation. Interest rates are going up. Things are costing more. You know, fuel prices, energy prices. There's a war in Europe. I mean, there's, there's so much happening. Yeah, and all of these things affect, affect it everything. It everything that you do. Um, and so I think it's, it's really being deliberate and considered. I mean, there is no magic solution to any of this because if there was, somebody would have said, boom, we're done, we're out of this, let's get back to normal. So I think this for us is a new era. And as you say, information is far more readily available now too. So everyone can kind of upskill themselves and write, okay, what's, why are energy prices so high? What are the real impacts of the Russia-Ukraine tensions? And to be fair, on that subject, I think we perhaps should give equal coverage to all conflicts around the world and not just those that affect the markets yeah because you know fundamentally human collateral is at risk here but i feel that perhaps some conflicts get a bit more attention than others do yeah when actually there's conflicts around the world every day and i think we perhaps need to do it's got got, it's got everything to do with money it's got everything to do with money no matter what yeah is that like 
for someone like me, I seek information a lot, but yeah. a lot of people don't have the time to do that or yeah. just don't have the interest to do that. Mm. Yeah, but which then means that sometimes the information that you're going to be fed is a one-sided thing or yeah. you're only really going to hear about, you're only going to hear about A and yeah. not necessarily about B. Yeah. And the reason why you're not going to hear about B, C, D, E, F, G is because A is essentially what is going to make either you rich or is going to make you poor yeah. or is going to f affect every day your bottom yeah. line is about yeah, yeah it's about what hits home and i think so you know i think we, we have to be conscious of that but fundamentally i think it's really important as well to mention that you know your actions don't always guarantee 100 percent of the outcomes that you That's want true. and luck has a lot to do with financial success and i don't think people mention that enough you know fundamentally when you put money in anything you're not technically 100 percent in control of that you mm. know when you put money in the stock market you're not pulling the levers sometimes luck has a lot to do with it mm. but actually that sector all of a sudden benefits from something that's going to happen tomorrow. You know, COVID, for example, if you were supplying PPE before COVID, you were probably riding under the radar. Nobody really knew who you were. You weren't making crazy money. All of a sudden, COVID hits. And I know somebody I spoke to last week who went from being an employee to having more than £8 million in their bank account as a result of bidding for PPE contract from the government and getting it. Crazy. Right? So luck has a lot to do with it. Did he plan COVID? No, <laughs> right? No. That's, a circ that's a situation that happened that he took advantage of. So I think we have to acknowledge that all our actions won't necessarily determine the outcomes. What do you think, and this might be a tricky question for you to answer, yeah? But like, what, what if you were gonna predict, yeah, yeah. what sort of mistakes do you think mm. um, the, the younger generation of, people that do have money or are trying to get money are going to make mm. and I, I, I mentioned that because I think yeah now as opposed as opposed to like the NFTs or whatever it is and people just throwing their money to it like mm. throwing their money towards that I do feel like and I said this before we're going into a place of, we're, or we're in a place of like um, uh, mass hysteria so everyone's yeah. just throwing their money into certain mm. things or whatnot. but are there like any other like mistakes or fundamental mistakes that you predict that they are going to or they could make as opposed to it, them just throwing their money at something yeah and I think you know what this is not exclusive to age I think a lot of people just make the same mistakes because a lack of knowledge around what to do so you know we've just started a new tax year how many people are looking to subscribe to the full ISA uh, allowance this year uh, you know it's a tax-free savings vehicle you can put up to twenty thousand pounds in it for a normal isa um there aren't many free freebies that the government gives you right it's a very simple thing but actually people have made millions out of their isas and won't pay a penny of tax on it if they take the money out young people perhaps look at that and think well that's boring well no it's not because actually <laughs> that is quite a fundamental part of overall financial planning mm. but also it's about thinking long-term and it's very difficult. We've been there, we've all been young and you know yeah, how yeah. we want the gratification now, but delaying yeah. gratification is so important and thinking, right, okay, what is the long-term plan? What are the right vehicles for me to set things up in as I'm building and growing? You know, a lot of people now have side hustles, right? But the problem a lot of people have is their side hustles don't appear on their tax returns or doesn't appear on their pay slips. So when they go to borrow money to buy a house or do it's anything, mad. it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> right it doesn't exist right. so then a lot of people are feeling frustrated because it's like i've got the money but i can't get the debt right. or i can't i can't get the access and so what do i do so a lot of people are caught in this catch 22 yeah start so, the business like <laughs> properly 
Yeah. Like start it properly. Start it properly. I mean, look, I think there is power in having taxable income, right? Mm. Even having debt requires a certain level of income. So I learned, there are a lot of people who've reached a stage of frustration where they're running great businesses, but they've got nothing to show for it because of the ways that they've kind of managed things or they're making good money, but they can't demonstrate it on paper all in the name of perhaps not paying tax. And look, there is ways or there are ways of actually being tax efficient and being tax savvy. But then there's also ways of impeding yourselves so that when the opportunity comes, you can't take it because actually you haven't arranged your affairs in the right way. I would say pay your way, get a good accountant, get a good bookkeeper, make sure that your numbers can be accounted for. Take advice on the best way to utilize it. Should I take salary or dividends or a combination of both? You know, if I'm planning on selling out a business, there's something called a business property relief, whereby if the business qualifies and your accountant can confirm this for you, you can move your shares of that business into a trust. So when the business is sold, the sale crystallizes in the trust. You don't pay any tax on that. So whoever the beneficiaries of that trust are will benefit from the proceeds for as long as there's value right. in there. Right? right, but simple things like that. Whereas somebody who doesn't know that will just sell their business, mm. get the gain in their personal name, pay tax on it, and you know have to worry about okay, now I'm going to put it back into another vehicle, and what are the tax considerations there? So I think it's really the mistakes, as I said, isn't exclusive to age. It's really kind of taking your time and planning things out properly from the get go. There are a lot of people who um, I, I sort of know personally who started out great businesses with zero planning, zero foundations. Sometimes it's organic, so you can't always plan ahead. Mm. But I think getting the right team around you is so important. Because just because you are the thinker and the creative doesn't mean you're good for the business. That's doesn't true. mean you've got the business mind. Find the people who are good at the business side to help you really harness. You know, At what point should I be thinking about bringing investors into my business? And am I asking for equity or am I asking for a loan? Am I offering EIS? Am I offering an incentive to make it attractive for an, uh, for, for an entrepreneur or, or an investor to put money into my business? At what point do I take my business to the next level where I list it on the stock exchange? Is all these things, it's about forward planning, right? There's, there's that old saying that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's yeah, very yeah. simple. So I would say for young people coming up now, it's all about the planning, the detail. That's the most important part. Yeah, man. I would, if I was going to do all of this again, I would have planned from a lot earlier. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just didn't know. Yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. And that's I had why we're no here. Idea. Like, there was a whole game being played around me and I didn't even realise. And then, when I, when, like, someone in my, within my circle mm. started playing a game and I'm watching them playing a game, yeah. I'm like, oh, this, this is, this is what's going on and this is how it works. Mm. Okay, cool. Let me try yeah. some stuff. And then the more that I'm doing it, the more I start to become enlightened in it. Yeah. And then the more you start looking at your own life. The more you start looking at your own life and start saying, raw, like, because I feel like you, when you are able to try anyway, to like financially elevate in some way, shape or form, I feel like you do start thinking about the future even more so in like how you're going to try and make yourself comfortable or even just the business. Yeah. If you're running a business, how are you going to be able to stabilise your business in the sense that maybe it can just keep running without you necessarily being there or having yeah. someone, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm. But like before, before any of that, I would like, it was always a mentality and I still feel like it, even though there's like a big <clears throat> group of people that are obviously trying to get rich quick, mm. there is a lot of, I'll just when I get there I just get there yeah, like yeah, when I yeah. get there I just get there yeah. I'm like no if you can try and I know that it's difficult because of the, the all of these different things that keep getting thrown at us mm. with in regards to like energy prices and mm. inflation and a bunch of other stuff mm. but 
I think it's so important to be in tune mm-hmm. with what is going on and to try and see how or find out ways of like being able to stay on top of things. Yeah. I saw um uh, a, a, a tweet that wasn't helpful though, where, I don't know if you saw it, but like someone was like listing all of these things that people should just cancel. <laughs> oh, cancel your Netflix, cancel this then, and cancel yeah. that. And then once you cancel it all, then at the end of it, you'll probably have like eight or nine grand. But with there's so many factors that they're not taking in here yeah. is that by cancelling these things yeah cool, cool you might yeah. you might have the eight or nine grand but guess what you might not because yeah. you didn't factor in inflation you didn't do that mm. you know what I mean and also even some of these little things here are like the things that people kind of give people a little bit of hope mm. in you know in stabilising their mind in some way do you know what I mean You need, you still need to try to find some ways of having some type of enjoyment or relaxing your yeah. mind in some way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Listen, when it comes to money, you can't take it with you when you're gone, right? Um, I have a lot of clients whose biggest concern now is, what do I do with all this money? And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice problem to have. However, it's still a problem. And, you know, we were talking earlier on, Chucky, just about the challenges that come with having money as well. Right. That I think having money and losing it is perhaps worse than not having it at all. Because having it, you know what it could be or what it could have been or what it could have continued to be. And so the anxiety that comes with having money as well is probably something that isn't spoken about a lot. Because when you really think about it, what is the goal? Why are all my clients still working? What is keeping them going? Yeah, why is are it, they? Is it greed? Is it desperation? Or is it because there's a bigger aim or a bigger goal and the money just happens to be a product of it? You know, because there comes a point where there is um, a theory, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. I don't know if you've come across it. No. But it's a theory about what drives us or effectively the things we need is what drives us. So the foundation will be things like food, security. Then as you go up, it becomes things like relationships. And as you go up, it becomes your self-esteem and ego. Then it becomes your potential. And so if people have what they need, what keeps them going higher and higher and higher up that table? You know, and sometimes that's a very difficult question to answer. Because everyone's driven by something else or something different. You know, for me, survival can mean something completely different to what it means to you, Mm. right? So why are people still going? What is the aim? Because some people have made so much money that they can never spend in their lifetime, but yet they still keep going at whatever it is they're doing. Well, isn't it some... Because this is good, that for some people, it's about them playing a game, but the game isn't necessarily just a financial amount of money where it stops. It's just about just getting a win mm. and getting the win sometimes money is just a part of that money, you get what yeah. I'm saying so you know what if I'm playing the game of like you know trying to get as much property as I could potentially get mm. and buying and selling and that money is just a part of it mm. I've made it but the feeling that I get mm. from actually buying and selling mm. is even better than the, just like the thought of the money that I've actually just made. Yeah. Because yeah, I could spend all of that, but you know what? That I love that win. I want to get a next one mm. and I want to get a next one. When does that stop? Mm. And For some what, people it never does. It, it never does. And that's why it's so very individual. Like sometimes you really got to take a step back and think, what is it that drives people? Is it greed? Is it desperation? Or is it just ambition? And if it's ambition, then fair, the money is just a product of it. And that just comes if it comes. And if it doesn't come, you're still inspired to do what, to make whatever change it is that you've set out to do. But money does come with anxiety, a lot of it. Absolutely, because yeah, yeah. how you manage it, the decisions you take when you've got money keeps you up at night sometimes. 
you know, once you've made money, have I made enough? Am I now in that illustrious club of people who can call themselves rich? Am I preserving it well? Is it going to go backwards? What decisions do I take with this? How are family going to feel about this? Right. How are friends going to feel right. about this? Right. This is what we were talking about right? before. 100%. And look, don't get me wrong. Like, there's always that saying that I'd rather cry in a BMW than in, in a Honda or whatever the saying is. But fundamentally, there is a lot of people carrying a lot of stress on their minds with money. So would you know what? Some people will say that and it's easy to say that until that pressure's on your shoulders. You 100%. Know? Like, let's look at one aspect of it. Mm. How is family or other people going to feel about the money that you've made? Yeah. Now, look, you can easily say from a, a point of sitting on the couch and saying, you know what, like they would just have to just handle that or I'll just buy security or whatever it may be. Yeah? But you know that real life threat like mm. of your life mm. really being under some serious danger mm. and, it, and it being from someone so close to you, you know, because sometimes you think, oh, you know, it's just, it's it's like external factors it's people yeah. that are, they don't know you or whatever sometimes the people that are the most dangerous are the ones that are sitting right next to you mm. if you got something and and if you've got something and they don't have it no matter what you do no matter what you give them mm. it's never going to be enough no it's never going to be enough not unless you constantly and not unless you're pretty much donating half of it yeah the moment that you say no you hear a lot of people talk about this like a lot of rappers in particular mm. that will always say the moment i said no is the moment that the Things friendship changed. ended up being a certain way yeah. ended up being a certain thing mm. and all the things that they said yes to you know they could have leveraged off that in a massive way yeah, yeah. you know if someone's turned around to you and said you know what here you can hold this rolex you know mm. this is yours mm. that's that person might have bought you a 30 grand Rolex. Mm. There's a lot you can do with that. Yeah. That is, you can use that as an investment. You can use it to floss, you can mm. use it to flex. Yeah. You can sell it. Yeah. You can take that money mm. and then end up maybe buying some property with that. You know, there's so many different things that you could do with that. Mm. But some a person who doesn't have that money just sees it as, oh, this is a nice gift, but you bought so-and-so yeah. that. So I can get a next one and I can get a next one. Mm. That type of anxiety yeah. is something that I, I, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for, mm. do you know what I mean? Of course, I I am very confident in where I'm going yeah. in regards to like the things that I'm doing and stuff like that. But yeah. I worry about them things, man. Yeah. I said to you before, like there's a, um, a road that I drive down all of the time, yeah? And it's a really nice house. It's a mm. big house on a road that is not, it's not a gated road it's not it's like a it's a regular road right. it just so happens to be that on these road on this road these houses are big yeah, yeah? and there's one house that like got knocked down mm. and then they built it from scratch up and it's massive now like it's humongous yeah and i drive past that house and i think about the person who potentially owns it with their family who may not they may not live there like that but let's just say hypothetically hypothetically speaking whoever does live in there there's a part of me that like envies it not from the fact that they are able to get it and I can't get mm. it, is from the fact of like, if I could get that, I couldn't live on this tree because people could just climb over this wall. Yeah. Like, and the environment that I'm around and some of the people that I'm around and that, like, I'm very aware that like, I can't, I can't trust that I could just live on a road like this and, you, and, and people are going to know that I live there, respect that and just ring the doorbell or if I'm not in. Nah, I'm having to, I would have to worry at like what's going to happen at two, three o'clock at night. Yeah. That's a mad way to think every day. Mm. And I think you, you find that with a lot of people, um, 
especially what I tend to see is, you know, there's always that distinction between old money and new money. And new money have a lot of anxiety. New money have a lot of imposter syndrome. It's almost, do I deserve to be here? Mm. Have I actually made it? Even when they've probably got more money than the person standing next to them, yeah. there's still this gap where they think, have I actually made it? Or mm. am I kind of being pretentious here? And it's about that anxiety that they carry with them, that it's, you know, people make money and then they move further out to get more space, but also to get some privacy and also just to get away from, from everybody because you do need that space to actually just be yourself and be feel safe and be at home. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, it feels a bit perverse talking about the problems of having money when a lot of people are trying to make it to begin with. Mm. But I think the message there is to say that things aren't always as rosy as they might appear mm. to be. And actually there is a lot of anxiety that comes with it. So, you know, the message here is, look, focus on what you've got. Um, I mean, the pocket watching is something that, you know, I never advise because at the end of the day, I think there are a lot of smoke and mirrors out here. 100%. Um, there is no dignity in buying something you can't maintain. So don't feel that because of the pressures of looking the part that you have to have those keys dangled in a photo just because you've bought, you know, a box and hey, I've got a house now. Mm. Yes, it's nice, but actually there is far more dignity in being patient and being buying something that is sustainable. Mm. Uh, and as I said at the start, take your time. This That's is a it. long race. Yeah, yeah, take your real. time with it because, you know, the average age of a house owner in the UK now is 32, whereas a few years ago it was around sub 29. So yeah, there's no shame in, in the game of saying, hey, look, I'm in my mid thirties and I still mm. don't own a house, but I'm working towards it. There's mm. absolutely no shame in that. And people are in their early twenties thinking, oh my God, I need a house tomorrow. <laughs> you know, yeah, I need, yeah, I need that real. nice car tomorrow. I need mm. the Rolex tomorrow. And it's not about that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? As long as you're steady building, that's the key. Like I said, at the start again, not all momentum takes you forward. So just being busy isn't enough. Mm. And trying to think I need a hundred students of income isn't the game. Facts. Focus on the quality and what's sustainable. That's more important. Um, just wrapping up quickly like over the last year because I'm sure that like the conversations that you would have been having with your clients maybe before we spoke mm. um, in lockdown would have been one thing like what if you can enlighten us a little bit on like what are some of the things that your clients are coming to you with now has it changed? Yeah I mean I think the, the major change is twofold really so I think with interest rates going up that has definitely slowed the momentum a bit in terms of the pace at which people are taking debt. Because when interest rates was at 0.1%, it was dirt cheap, cheapest it's ever been for a long time, right? So people were far more accepting to taking on debt and using it for other opportunities. Now that interest rates have gone up, it's costing people more to have this debt. So they're really reassessing, actually, if I've got some cash sitting there, do I just pay things off and let things settle a bit? Because my costs are starting to go up now. And actually that's not benefiting me. Um, so I think that's definitely held people back a bit, but I think that will naturally wash out because at the moment, I think people are still looking for opportunities. On the investment side, I think people have seen the turbulence in the markets um, in the recent weeks and months. But as we always say, it's always a long game. And so if you enter the markets, there's never a, you know, a year or two kind of horizon. You wanna look a bit beyond that. I think my clients are still looking for opportunities. I think they're strengthening the teams around them because it's all about the insight, the knowledge, the expertise of the team you've got because they're the ones who keep you sharp, right? As I said, if you're focusing on building that dream or goal, you might be the visionary, but you need the team around you to actually execute. So I think that's still very important. Um, they're thinking of ways to be more tax savvy. You know, there was uh, an article in the press recently about 
the chancellor and his wife being a non-dom yeah. and, and, and yeah. you know complexity that comes that's nothing new by the way yeah, <laughs> right yeah. people with money have been finding ways for decades in terms of how to be tax savvy right it may not necessarily be in the same shape or form as going offshore or yeah, yeah. buying a graveyard in the Caribbean and now you're you're a non-dom so therefore you don't pay tax in the UK right. you know all those tricks are now sort of catching up with people but it's about being tax savvy it's about preserving the money they're making and I think they're being a bit more conscious about debt that's definitely the main change right. I've seen that is um, what you mentioned there is because I was listening to that on the radio today and they were talking about because his wife is a like comes from a billionaire family or whatever yeah. like so there's a lot of money that that they have she's indian as well mm -hmm. right but she's a non-dom so she's like she doesn't necessarily have to pay tax mm -hmm. on the income that she makes abroad yeah. she just pays tax on the money that she has here mm -hmm. yeah and so they you know that conversation of like tax avoidance mm -hmm. um because it's She's more, it's more tax avoidance for her as opposed to it, her Evasion. not paying tax. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so then for some people that comes down to a moral thing, but yeah. it's, that's an interesting conversation in itself. It's, I think that the, it's a conflict of interest purely because her husband is the here. Dealing with he's people's, in. Yeah, he's Correct. dealing with taxes and all yeah. of this and yeah. whatever. And it's like, yeah. he's never going to, for a lot of people, he's never going to push the button on something that is going to put his wife yeah. in a financial in a financially dangerous position. Yeah. So with that, it's like, how can you do that job if if you are not able to be able to, you know, be yeah. objective about? And some yeah. some people, do you know what the maddest thing is though? And I'm not here to defend him. I'm definitely not here to defend him. But I'm like, who's to say that he can't be? Who's to say that he can't one day turn around and say, well, do you know what? Now, you know what? People who are non-doms or whatever are going to have to pay tax or whatnot. And it's an awkward conversation I had to have with my missus. But you know what? No one don't need to know about that. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is something that I've been looking at and this is something that I'm going to do. But, you know, we can talk about this for ages. I will just, my thing is always going to be, if you are in that 1%, that tax, that 1% tax bracket, there's phone calls that you can make. Yeah. Yeah. And if when you can make them phone calls, I can easily say, no matter who is running things and who's standing there doing the press conference or whatever, yeah, if I make that phone call and say, listen, I'm going to need you to ease up on that one a tad. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to need you to ease up on that a tad because you know what? Hit, hold that in Yeah, fact. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you've got financial donors, right? Every party has big financial donors. Right. Why do you think they've got such big financial donors? Obviously, it's not what's said and spoken is probably what's not spoken. Yeah. You know, when they're going to these black tie dinners and they're writing out checks for hundreds of thousands and yeah. millions and say, oh yeah, just donating to your party. Why do what? you think they, you know, what do you think they want in exchange? Right. Right. I mean, look, there are a lot of unspoken things about the economy and how things run. Mm. And that's, you know, a documentary in its own just to try and unearth it. You know, that's a panorama series to be fair, <laughs> to try and really figure out what is going on in our economy. But yeah. as on the surface level, I think, you know, Everybody's trying to survive, stay yeah. afloat, make clever moves. And I get the temptations of being attracted to where the money looks to be coming quickest, mm. but also remember that that's where it can be lost the easiest. 100%. Is there anything that um, you think we should cover real quick before we get into... Um, no, I think, I think that's, you know, we've, we've covered quite a lot of ground. I mean, unless there were any questions that you had um yeah you i all to... kind of do you know what a lot of the yeah. questions that people had yeah mm. and that, so for a lot of people that were watching this um especially the new ones there was a lot of questions that you asked that we've already covered mm. so um this is what this is how many times you've been here now 
four, five, six. Yeah, some six. So what I'm going to do is as well. Um, if you're visually watching this, then I'll put the episodes up so you can go back and watch some of them. Um, and if you are or if you if you are audio listener, I will find a way so that um, if you're new here, you can um, you can go back and listen to some of them because they they are really good. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll put them now, but not. You can't put everything in the description because some people are just audio. Oh yeah, but then you can't click on them on Spotify. They can find it. Okay. <laughs> Technical details. Yeah, exactly. So what's this here? So look, I mean, can we discuss this? The last last time I was here, um, you hadn't hit a hundred thousand subscribers. You have right. now. So congratulations. Yes. And I thought, <laughs> Love for that, I thought bro. I'd bring you a bottle to celebrate to say well done. Um, except this is a bottle, a project that I've been involved in personally for the last three and a half years, or maybe four years now, actually, uh-huh. uh, called Windrush 1027. Um, it's a bit of a passion project, and there's a lot of meaning that goes behind it. So a team and I um, have been working on this for the last few years, um, acquired the Windrush 1027 IP. And I think what we want to really do is change the narrative around Windrush. Um, I think it was an event that was supposed to have led to opportunity for people which actually became sidetracked and turned into controversy. Mm. So now you can't actually mention the name without people getting upset about, you know, who's owed what, etc. But actually the whole idea was about hope and opportunity. Mm. And so there's a gentleman whose father was pictured coming off one of the ships that arrived in the UK. Um, and I think that image has been quite, um, it's been well used for a lot of the literature that goes around Windrush. And so he's one of the founders in this project. Cold, I love um, that. And, you know, he's behind this. And effectively, our roles really around the team is to help him to establish the dream of continuing the legacy that his father didn't really get to live out. Right. His father was a tailor who came here looking you know, to continue that, wasn't able to do that, had to basically, you know, do what was given to him. But actually, we're thinking, look, there's a whole Windrush generation out here now infiltrated in all areas and all disciplines of life and actually if we collected these stories and used our resources together we could actually really relive that opportunity that should have been there when people arrived um, you know into this country so is a whole line of products uh, obviously rum being one of our first exports but there's more that we want to sort of look at um, you know in, in time to come and, and there's a foundation behind it as well which looks so all the products that will be created under this brand um, will we'll have um, an element of the profits going to this charity, which will help the community um, both here and abroad as well, and pretty much around the world. Um, because I think, like I said, for me and for the team, it's really important about rewriting the story and not leaving it in the hands of perhaps maybe some of the people mm. who caused the controversy to say, oh, you can't talk about this because it's, it's a bit, you know, it causes people to blush. Well, no, actually, we want to reclaim this and actually say, listen, Windrush was an opportunity. And we want to make sure that the Windrush generation can tell the story. Hundred. So, what, have you um, enjoyed the process of like getting I've, the listen, taste I've, right? I've, I've enjoyed the process, and of course, you're going to get to taste the, the, yeah. the produce of you know yeah. how it's been expertly crafted and how we've yes. got to here, taxes <laughs> paid, and everything. Yeah. Um, the process has been great, but look, I think for any business owner, anyone who's entrepreneurial, um, I think you understand and accept that there are challenges that comes with. Um, setting up a business and mm. running a business successfully, whether it's financial, whether it's conflict of interest, uh, or whether it's just different characteristics and different priorities. You know, everybody wants to 
go in a particular direction that might not favor one person and so actually how do we actually make sure we bring everybody on board and not neglect that one voice um but i mean in this project in particular i think it's been around navigating you know the so-called tensions around the use of the name and the word and everything else that comes with it so look it's been a long time in the making it's been as i said almost four years um and i think for me anyway i'm a perfectionist and i don't ever want to release anything that isn't yet perfect no of course how long it takes so i think the drink has been perfected. It's amazing. You will enjoy Love this. Love that. I can't wait. I can't um, wait. To <laughs> but, you know, hopefully the next time I'm here, I can give you a bit more about the fuller project and, yeah, yeah. and where we are in the launch and things like that. Of and, course. Um, you know, we can be... But look, I think, you know, entre- entrepreneurialism is something that's growing. I look after entrepreneurs for a living. So it's kind of in my blood. Um, this isn't my first project. It won't be my last. There are mm. loads of things I'm involved in. Um, and, you know, lots of exciting things as well that are happening alongside this, which, you know, hopefully will all come to fruition. As I said, the game for me is to reduce that retirement age. And so, of course, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Know, we're working on it. And I respect it. I respect it. And I remember the last time we was here, as soon as we finished, you then, you then mentioned it because you're like, I don't want to talk about it yeah. just yet. But you was talking about like the process and like, yeah. yeah, and like, so, you know, I love that anyway. I love when someone is passionate about something or talks about something mm. and, they, and they're doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is a lot of times where people talk about things that they're doing mm. and nothing ever comes out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it's good to, you, you're you're definitely a doer. Do you know what I mean? So I'm looking that's, forward to so tasting that. Can I that. present you with the bottle? Then yes. As, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Congratulations on your 100,000 subs. I appreciate that. Um, uh, your what well, everyone's gonna see your your Instagram and that already anyway. They will know how to find you. Some people know how to find you already anyway. Um, and thanks for coming, man. Pleasure. Yeah, Pleasure. we'll do it again. Look forward to coming we'll, back. We'll, de- we'll do it again. Definitely towards the end of this year. Yeah, we won't leave it that long again and see what we can kind of conjure up, man. But yeah, thanks 100%. for coming through, my bro. Thank you. Love. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, nice. 